All right, good morning, ACF. How are you guys doing this morning? You good? Good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, my name is Cody Harmon. I'm one of the pastors here at ACF, and I'm so excited that you guys are spending your Sunday morning with us. Uh, this is a, a great Sunday to be here because this is Baptism Sunday here at ACF, uh, Yeah, which is super, super exciting. And uh, if you were here a few weeks ago, we prayed over um, our middle schoolers going to, to camp. Uh, they, they went last weekend, and uh, Wednesday night was awesome because at camp, there were, there were at, at least six students that got saved, said yes to following Jesus the first time at camp, and then they decided to get baptized and got baptized this past Wednesday night um, just here on stage at ACF. Yeah, yeah, so that was... It was just really cool to see um, students like that, that, this generation of the church, um, saying yes to following Jesus and modeling what it looks like to be obedient uh, for all of us, which was really, really cool. And so if you're in here this morning and, uh, and you, you feel like that's something that you need to do is to get baptized, that you've, you've decided to follow Jesus, but you haven't taken that step of baptism yet, that we want to help you do that, uh, that, that wherever you're at, um, and that, that we've got some amazing volunteers that want to help you along the way. And, and so at any point in the service this morning, if you feel like God is saying that you need to get baptized, that uh, to my right uh, in the very back, there's um, a, a, a baptism um, banner. You can go back there. We've got some volunteers ready to, to set you up and get you set up with that. We've got clothes and shirts and shorts and, and literally everything you need. If you were like, I wasn't planning on getting baptized, it's negative three outside. I'm good. We've got you covered. All right. Because we want to be able to celebrate that with you and help you take that step in your relationship with Jesus. And so that is available to you uh, this morning at any point. Uh, but we're going to continue on in our series that we've been in this year called The Deeper Life Through Identity and looking at what it means for us to find our, our deeper life through the way that we view ourselves and the way that we view God. And, and I've loved this series going through identity and there's been a lot of things that I've even seen through this of maybe things that I've carried and defined myself by that, that aren't actually true. They're just things that, that I've believed about myself or have heard about myself, uh, different things about my identity and how that, re- how that um, comes into play in my relationship with Jesus. And this has been very helpful for me. And, and one of the things that I've learned and, and one of the parts of my identity that I think that this is kind of highlighted is that um, I don't think that I'm a full-blown redneck. But um, I definitely have redneck tendencies, all right? And uh, maybe you're in here and you're from the South and you're like, I get it. Uh, If you've lived in Alaska for any amount of time, you have redneck tendencies, all right? I hate to burst your bubble, but everybody in here, we do something that's kind of redneck. That's kind of like, yeah, I do this, but we don't, we don't talk about it. Like this, this is just something um, that, that I do. Or, you know, I say, I still say y'all all the time that that's just a thing. And I've even, I got an amen for that. Um, I even, I've, I, I've noticed I've started texting y'all, which I think just means I'm getting old too. So I'm a redneck that's also getting older. Uh, there's, there's different things that, that I feel like I, I do that are kind of my, my redneck tendencies and but I think one of the things that, that's made me and my wife kind of feel welcomed and feel at home in Alaska when we moved up here this summer is that I think that this is just true of all of us in Alaska. Uh, that when we moved up here, we were driving around and seeing where, you know, where our, our home was and seeing like where different stores were. Just kind of getting a feel for where we were going to now be living as we moved up here. And, and so we're driving around and uh, my wife is, is looking out her window and uh, just looking at, at the mountains and looking at where these different things are located and kind of what's going on. Uh, and then she, she turns to me while we're driving and she, she looks like she's going to say something like very wise or like she, God just gave her a picture of something of our, our new life that we were going to have in Alaska. And she turned and looked at me as I was driving and she just said, you know, I think Alaska is like the south of the north. 
And I was like, do you have a concussion? Like, what is that? That was just a bunch of words you just said out loud. Like, that doesn't mean anything. And then we kept driving, and I was like, I, we just moved 4,000 miles away, and now this is, this is what we're working with. And so I'm like trying to think through what she said. So I'm doing the math, and I'm like, well, okay, well, Alaska is like the south of the north. And I was like, I, it checks out. Like, there's, you know, there's, there's obviously a big culture of hunting and, and fishing. And is anybody in here wearing camo? I just saw you out of the corner of my eye, not to call you out, but I just, your camo didn't work very well because I saw you immediately um, as I said that. You know, people wear, wear camo. Uh, one of the things that I'm most jealous about is that I think that uh, most people that I talk to either own an ATV or a side-by-side. Uh, and I'm just very, I, probably, I guess I shouldn't be jealous as a, a believer and a pastor, but here we are. Um, and so I, I, I'm jealous of that because I grew up riding four-wheelers. Like that was a thing that we did. And, um, and so we spent a lot of our weekends going out and just riding these different trail systems around us. And we would drive into Alabama, which is the south of the south. And we would go and, and just ride four-wheelers all day. And that was just a thing that we did. Uh, but there, there was one time that we went when I was a, a freshman in high school, and I'd been riding for a couple years, so um, had, was kind of experienced and had been to the place that we were riding at uh, several times. And we're, we're out there, and uh, we're, we're the group of people, and so I'm in the very back because I'm one of the more experienced, uh, surprisingly, and uh, was behind there or behind everyone in case something happened, I would be there to help. Don't know what I would have done, but I would have just been there, I guess. Um, and so we're, we're going down this trail, and I still don't really know what happened. I just know that I'm riding uh, down this trail, and the next thing I know, my four-wheeler is on top of me upside down, and I'm on the ground pinned underneath it. Uh, and it turns out I, I broke my collarbone for when it flipped over. And so I had to try to get back to the truck riding a four-wheeler with one arm while this arm's just kind of hanging there. And um, I can actually still feel where it was broke because it healed weird. So here's your little gross fun fact about me for the day. Uh, and so we got to the truck, got to the emergency room, and there, there's not really anything to do for a broken collarbone. They pretty much do an x-ray and they're like, yep, it's broke. I'm like, cool, man. I knew that when I was laying on the ground under my four-wheeler. And so they can't, you obviously can't do a cast or you can't do anything like that for a shoulder. So instead they give you this really cool brace that goes over your shoulders and under your arms and ties in the back. So then when you're 14 and you're a freshman in high school with a broken collarbone, you walk around like this all the time for six weeks. Great for your self-esteem. Um, and so I got to this point where it was, I was had this brace on and just all, all day, every day, just tied in the back. There's a big knot like under my shirt in the, in my spine where this, this all this, this uh, stuff is just tied up, holding my shoulders back. And I, I even remember walking to lunch one day and this girl behind me started poking the knot in my back. And she was like, what is that? Are you wearing a bra? And I was like, yes, I, yeah, sure. Um, I don't know. That's easier than explaining what happened. Like, so, so I got to this point where I realized that, that anything broken just affects everything else in your body. Right, like I'd, I'd had a broken arm before, but you put a cast on it and then you kind of just do whatever. A collarbone, when your collarbone is broke, it affects so many things that I never even realized. But if I like moved too fast because it, there wasn't anything holding it, it just hurt like crazy, right? Or laying down in bed at night to go to sleep, laying down hurt my collarbone. And then when I woke up in the morning, sitting up in bed hurt my collarbone. It was a lose-lose. But there was everything hurt and everything like felt um, off and messed up. And so when there's, there's something broken in our body, it affects the way the rest of the body works. It affects the, the way it can move. It affects the way that it can do things. Uh, and, and this morning, what we're going to be looking at, we're going to be in Ephesians 4. 
And the reason this is all important is because Paul talks a lot about the church in this letter that he wrote to the Ephesians. And he's giving them uh, this idea of what the church looks like and how the church should operate. And the key piece of this is that the, he says the church is like a body. Right? The church is a body that has many different parts that are all working together for a purpose. And so for many of us in here, maybe you grew up thinking the church was just a service that you went to or an event that you go to. But Paul says, no, the church is actually a living organism, that it's a body made up of people serving one purpose. And if a part of the body is broken or if a part of the body is not working the way that it should, it affects the rest of the body. But it's important for the body to all be working together and moving one direction. And so we need those different parts of the body to be healthy and to be where they actually should be. And if you're thinking, what does this mean for my identity? I think that this is so important for us because God is, has created the church to save the world. And so if God wants to use the church to save the world, and if you are a part of the church, then a key part of our identity is found in how we view the church and how we view our role in it. You know, I've heard a lot of people say over the years, like, well, well I love Jesus, and, and I love the, the Bible and the teachings of Jesus, but I don't, I don't really go to church. Like, I don't think that I need that. And I would say that that's wrong, because Jesus died for the church. And so for, for all of us in here, we need to know that the church is so important that Jesus was willing to die for it. And your role in that church and in that body is also vitally important for you knowing your true identity. But I also think that God is gracious enough to show us what that means. He shows us what that looks like and shows us what he has created us for. And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, we're going to start off in uh, verse 11, uh, as Paul is, is, again, continues writing this letter to the church in Ephesus. And so this is what Paul says, starting in verse 11. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. All right, so Paul is, is here again. He's talking about how the church is a body, but he's talking about how a church should kind of be structured and, and operate. Where he's saying here that, the, that God gave, that Jesus gave, the, the church leadership, the church staff, the people who are, are working in the church to oversee people who are going out and doing ministry. And so he's saying it's not all on the church leadership to do everything because that's a limited group of people with a limited number of gifts. But the church itself is the body of believers going out into the community and being the church in that place, which means I can take tomorrow off because you guys should be out doing ministry. No, I'm just kidding. Um, That was a a joke. But the the point of the, the church staff is to equip you, encourage you, and build you up so that the body of the church is now built up to go out and actually do ministry. And so each part of the body has a specific purpose because it moves the body forward. And so to help me illustrate this, I've got my uh, lovely assistant up here. Uh, this, is, uh, this is Fantasia. Uh, she's supposed to be waving. Sorry. Everybody say hi, Fantasia. Nobody said hi, Fantasia. Wow. There's a, I, said, I see someone waving. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Make her feel welcome. She's scared to be up here. All right. So um, Fan, I also, I borrowed this and it was already named Fantasia. I didn't come up with that. I probably would have said Bob. I'm not that creative. But uh, this is Fantasia. And just for today, she's going to represent the church, right? Fantasia is the body, that there's, there's different parts. There's different things about Fantasia that create this body that is able to move forward. 
And so what Paul says when he calls the church a body and talks about different parts moving along and working together for a purpose, uh, what he's talking about is, are these different spiritual gifts that we have as we follow Jesus. And so if you, if you haven't been to church in a while or if this is your first time checking this out, uh, one, this isn't, we don't normally have this on a Sunday. So if you're like, this is weird, it's when Pastor Brian's back up next week, it'll be gone. Um, but, uh, but, but Paul talks about these spiritual gifts that we get, which really just means as we say yes to following Jesus, God gives us his spirit. And a part of that is God giving us these gifts and things that, that we are now can do, that we are capable of because of who God is. And he's given us these gifts to build up the church. He's given us these gifts to, to have the, this body move forward regardless of whatever that part is. And so there's, there's different, all kinds of gifts that, that scripture um, lists, but just a, a few for us this morning to kind of get a feel for that looks like, you know, maybe you, you're a brain, which I, I don't think that there's technically a brain in here, but um, there, you're a brain. And so there's a spiritual gift uh, called words of knowledge, which sounds like this kind of crazy thing where it's like, does that mean you can just guess lottery numbers? And that's like, that's, that's not what that means. Uh, but if you've ever had something where you've maybe encouraged somebody or um, said something uh, to someone that, that just, they were like, man, I really needed to hear that today. Or how did you know that this was something that I was dealing with or going through? God will actually give us a gift of, of words of knowledge to be able to encourage somebody. That, that's something that we maybe didn't know how impactful it was. Uh, but so maybe you're, you're a brain that's getting these words of knowledge that you're able to encourage the people around you. Um, maybe... Maybe you're a mouth and you have the gift of teaching and uh, her mouth's kind of scary, but um, maybe you have the gift of, of teaching or of speaking and, and you have this kind of spiritual gift where you can take truth from scripture and, and things that the Bible says that maybe seem complex or, or seem difficult to understand and you can break it down for people so um, that they can understand what it is that God is saying to them and calling them to. That, that maybe you have that gift and, and you're a mouth or, or maybe you're, you're a leg and uh, you like, oh man, somebody else's knees probably sound like that too. Um, but hopefully your legs work a little bit uh, more fluid than that. But you're, you're a leg and you um, are able uh, to lead people. You have the gift of leadership and you can, can move people forward from point A to point B. And you have a vision of where people should go and people want to follow you and want to be a part of what you're doing. That, that God gives all of these gifts so that the body is able to all work together. Right? Not, no one gift can do everything, but when every gift works together, the body itself can move forward for what the purpose of the church actually is. The hard part about this is that sometimes we are really good at taking good things and then making a mess out of them. But right? is anybody like me where you can just make a mess out of something good? No, one person. Thank you. There's someone that's honest. I'm just up here by myself with Fantasia, Francesca, whatever her name, Fantasia. Um, but we can take good things and we can make a mess out of it. And what, what happens when we start to do that is we start to find our identity in what we do. We start to lose sight of the fact that we are part of a larger body that has a larger purpose. And we start to just look at the singular thing that we do. And so we forget that we're a brain that has words of knowledge to be able to encourage the church and to encourage the people around us and build them up. And instead, we just start to share our opinions on things and, and just trying to get people to agree with whatever it is that we're doing. And we start to manipulate maybe where people are at and, and what people need to be doing. And, and so we, we, we abuse that gift and turn it around towards us. Um, and then maybe, maybe you know, we, we think we have the spiritual gift of, uh, uh, as a mouth of teaching or of speaking. And, and instead of using that to, uh, to, to tell people about, about the gospel and what scripture says and that God has so much more for them, we start to use it for ourselves so that people think that we're smart or so that people think that we're funny or that people will think something um, about us and to gain acceptance from people. 
So we think that we're a mouth that's good at teaching, but really maybe we just talk too much. Right? Or maybe we, we think that we're a leg that has the gift of leadership and, and we think that we can move people forward, but really all we do is just steamroll people. Right? We, we want to get our way, and so we use that, that spiritual gift we have to lead to actually just steamroll and bulldoze over people so that we can get our way. And then we don't realize until later no one's actually following us because we left them all far behind us. Right? That we can take these gifts that were meant for something good, but we turn them around to ourselves. And you were never created to, to just only be the thing that you do. Right? That, that you are not the gift that you have. You just have a gift. And so when we find our identity only in the things that we do, we go from a body that can move, or go from a leg that can move the body forward to being a disease that's actually holding the body back. Right? You're still a part of the body. You're still a part of what the church is doing, but we're not being helpful anymore. Like we've now gotten unhealthy. We're now, we're now focusing on ourself and we're focusing on how we, we are just a leg. And it's like, well, well, I don't care if I have on a pair of gloves because I'm just a leg. Like, I don't have to worry about that. Or like, well, man, I'm, I'm just a mouse, so I'm just saying stuff and everything else has to follow whatever I'm saying or whatever I'm doing. That we get into this dangerous place when we start to look at ourselves only as one part of the body and our, and our role as the body as a whole. But when we start to get to a place where we, we've gone past saying, man, look at what God did, look at what God has done in this place, look at how God is moving, and we go from that to we start saying, man, look at what I did. Like, look at what I accomplished. Look at what I have built. We are now in a very dangerous place. That your identity is not in the things that you do. And when we start to find our identity there, we start to focus only on ourselves. And, but like anything else, uh, just like we can take good things and make a mess out of them, God can take our mess and do something good with it. Right? Thankfully, it's not up to us to, to figure these things out, or it's not up to us to do it on our own. That God takes the things that we've broken and the things that we've turned to ourselves, and he uses them for good things. That, that we now don't have to, to focus only on our gifts or focus only on ourselves because we are not what we do. Our identity isn't in the gift that we have. Our identity is in the one who gave us the gift in the first place. But our identity is found in the giver of the gift. Because if we only focus on our gift and we only focus on the thing that we are able to do and the thing that we're good at, then tomorrow morning if you wake up and that gift is gone, you have nothing left. You don't know who you are if, you're, if you find your identity in the thing that you do. But if we find our identity in the one who gave us the gift, everything can be taken away from us tomorrow, and we still know who we are because we still have Jesus. That it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter what you're capable of, because you still know who God is and that God loves you and that God has something greater for you. And so Paul continues to talk about this and continues to talk about how this happens in the church and what this looks like and how we can actually live this out. And in verse um, 14, he goes on and he says, uh, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so notice what Paul is saying there. Like he, he's talking about how, how Christ is the head, right? Jesus is the head that's, that's the, the, the leader, the one doing all this. He is the one that's bringing everything to life. 
And so if we only focus on ourselves as each individual part of the body, we're not much more alive than Fantasia is. Like we're, we're still just a bunch of parts thrown together. But when Jesus is the head and we have unity in that, that we can be a different part of the body that's helping the entire body move forward. And Paul doesn't, he, he talks about how every part works together. He doesn't talk about how there are certain gifts that are like, these are, these are tier one gifts. Like these are the gifts you really want. And then these are some gifts that it's like, that's fine. Like you can, if you're good at that, then go forward. And then there's like some third tier gifts where it's like, well, I mean, I guess someone's got to do it. So you may as well go do it and think that you're a part of something. No, Paul says, no, every part has a purpose and it all works together to move the body forward. That there's, there's supporting ligaments, that there's things that hold all of this together. So it's not just a floating arm. It's an arm that's pretty rough, but it's still connected to the body. Like it's still connected to what the body is doing and the purpose of the church. But I think it's easy for us to lose sight of that when we forget the purpose of what we're doing and we focus only on what we do. Uh, this past week, I was talking to uh, my friend Blake, who um, served in the military and uh, was in a leadership position. And as he would, he would go around and, and meet the people that he was in charge of leading and, and moving from point A to point B, um, and as different problems would come up and, and things would happen, uh, as he would meet people, he would ask them what they did, right? And for a lot of us, if someone asks what you do, you'll probably say your occupation. But the, the issue is a lot of times we end there with just what we do for a job or what we do as a, as a vocation. And so he would ask somebody like, okay, well, there's, there's this, this problem or there's this thing or he's getting to meet people. And he would say, well, what do you do? And they would say, oh, well, I, I'm, I'm just a mechanic. Or they, would, they would define themselves by the least common denominator, which is just the thing that they did in the Air Force. And so Blake got into a habit of reminding people like, well, no, you're not just a mechanic. Like you are an airman that also happens to be a mechanic. Whether the thing that you do is just a small part of what's actually happening. Your identity is in something greater than the one task that you do. But your identity isn't in just that one little job or that one little thing. That one little thing is there because your identity is in something greater and serves a much larger purpose. And so for a lot of us, we can get caught up thinking that the things that we do maybe don't matter because that's where we're finding our identity in and we think that it doesn't serve any greater purpose. But, but Paul is actually saying, no, every single part of this serves an incredible purpose because the, the whole point of the church is to move forward and see God rescue his people. I heard a pastor say one time that the church is God's plan A to rescue the world, and there is no plan B. Like, this is it. This is what God has gone all in on because Jesus was willing to die for it. And it's still working 2,000 years later. Like we've had people get baptized on Wednesday. We got people get baptized this morning in the first service. We've had over 40 people say yes to follow Jesus just this month here at ACF. Like, like God is still moving that this is God's plan to rescue the world. Like... And so when we think like, well, I just have this gift, so I'm not that important. What I believe is that it is a lie from the pit of hell to keep you from using the gift that God has given you. Amen. That God has given you something that is going to help move the church forward. It's going to move the body forward. And as much as the enemy can get us to think like, well, it's, it's not that important or it's not that big of a deal or anybody can do this. That doesn't mean that God hasn't called you to do the thing that he's called you to do. And so for all of us to know that this is important because God wants us to be a part of it. But I, I think too, I can, I, I understand where some people come from where we see church only as, as a service, but we see only of what's happening right now as what the church is. And that throws off what we, what we actually see as our role in it. 
And so we maybe think like, well, you know, I'm not very extroverted, right? Like a lot of church services, there's, there's people up on stage or people greeting and they all seem very extroverted. And I just, I'm not, that's not really me. Or, you know, I can't sing. So a big part of church is worship and singing and I can't sing. So maybe I don't have a role in that. Or, or maybe you think like, I don't want to hold babies. Like, I don't know how to, I don't know what to do with that. And that there's lots of babies at church. So I don't know how to do those things. And just to encourage you, I can't do any of those things either. All right, like I, I am not extroverted. I'm probably a lot more introverted than a lot of you may realize. Um, I should never sing ever. Like in public, private, nothing. Like there is, I should not. My greatest fear on Sundays that I preach are that when I've got this headset microphone on, I'm going to be over there in the corner worshiping before I get up to preach, and it's going to be turned on. And then all of you are going to hear me. And then all of you are going to leave and never come back. And I wouldn't blame you, but I don't want that to happen. Brother, I don't want somebody to be watching online and they're in Nebraska and they're like, is my phone broke? Like this, like, what is that? Someone throw a cat out of a window? Like, why does it sound like this? Like, like I, I can't sing either. And the last place any of you want me, especially parents, is holding babies downstairs. All right, like, like we have amazing volunteers and ACF kids and that is what they are gifted in. And that is the last place that I should be. Like my wife and I don't have kids. I don't know what to do when anybody's crying, um, much less a small human that can't tell me while they're crying. And so then I'm just going to be holding a crying baby and they're going to be like, well, who is this idiot? And why did you let him in here? And I'm going to be like, I'm going to be crying. And I'm like, I don't know why they let me in here. Like I, I shouldn't be here either. And so the point of all that is not one part of the body can do everything that the body needs, but all of us in here have a gift that the body needs to move forward. That there is something each of you are gifted at and are good at that, that, that God has given you so that the church can move forward, not just to say that we put on a good service, but so that we can see people come to know who Jesus is and see lives change, see marriages healed, see addictions be broken. That there is so much more to what happens at the, in the church than just serving and just doing a role and then going home. And so for many of you, if you're, you know, we've got people on our parking team that do a great job standing out in the freezing cold and greeting people as they come onto our campus. And so if anyone on our parking, parking team thinks like, well, you know, I, I just kind of stand out there and, and, and wave or kind of help a little bit. It's like, no, you set the tone for people getting onto our campus and coming in to be able to hear the gospel. Like you are setting the tone for someone getting to experience the love of God because you're standing out and being a welcoming face as people come in. Right? Or if you're on the coffee team, you're not just taking uh, empty coffee pots downstairs and then bringing them back upstairs and getting a ton of steps in for the day. Um, that you're, you're creating an environment where people can have coffee and, and feel welcomed and maybe feel a little bit at ease because maybe it's not as intimidating to be at church as what they thought because there's something there that makes the environment different. And so you're actually setting people up to make connections and, and have relationship um, with each other. And maybe you're on our ACF kids team and you, you're gifted at that and praise God that you are so that people like me don't have to be down there. That, that you, you are so gifted at, at not just discipling kids, and you're not just down there washing over a room and babysitting for an hour, but you're showing kids what it looks like to follow Jesus and making it normal for them to grow up knowing their identity is in a God that loves them, not in everything else that we have probably found our identity in throughout our lives. And you are also setting up parents to be up here, to, to experience worship, to encounter Jesus, that you're helping a family be able to do that. That, that what we do is just a small part of, of the things that, we, that God has for us. That, that what we do is not our identity. What we do is found in the giver of the gifts, and we just now get to use our gifts to help the body move forward. That there is so much more that God has for you than just what you do and, and the things that you spend your time with. 
that there's a purpose behind all of it, and God wants to use that to see people come to him. And so for, for us this morning, we have to ask that question of, of, do we think that we are just the thing that we do, or do we believe that God actually has a greater purpose for our lives? And when we look at the life of Jesus, that if we're trying to be more like Jesus, that, that if you are following him, that that is our goal, is to look more and more like Jesus, that we see in his life, he did this perfectly. That, that Jesus, was, Jesus was the ultimate servant, but he also ultimately knew who he was in the Father. And, and in uh, Matthew chapter 20, um, Jesus is giving some instructions on, on how to live and, and what this should look like for us. In uh, Matthew 20, uh, in verse 26, Jesus says, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We're like, this, this is uncomfortable. Like for, for us to say, like, you know what, I'm going to give up all of myself to be able to serve somebody else. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop finding my identity in just what I can do. And I'm going to find my identity in God, which means I'm going to give up all of myself to serve someone. And Jesus uses some pretty intense language uh, in this for giving up our lives um, for someone. But he tells us in this as well that he was willing to do that for us. Or that Jesus is the ultimate servant because if you think about his death, that is the most unfair death that has ever happened in history. That there was a completely perfect, innocent, sinless man that was sent to the cross. And he did it willingly because he knew who he was in the Father that he knew his identity was as the son of God and he knew his purpose was to come and rescue us. And so what he did was just a small part of that because he knew his identity in the father. And for all of us in here, we, we now get to be here in this place experiencing the love of Jesus because he chose to be a servant instead of uh, choosing to come in and get his own way. That he chose to serve us by giving up his life for us. And so for all of us in here this morning, the greatest gift that we could ever receive isn't, isn't a, a spiritual gift of something that we do. The greatest gift we could ever receive is the fact that God wants to partner with us and call us his. Right? That, that ultimately God wants you to be his. That that is where your identity is found. That God wants you to look more like Jesus. That he wants to do things in your life that help you to be more at peace, to know who more of who God is, to be able to find your true identity in him. But he also wants to partner with you because what he's doing in you means that he wants to do something through you. That, that he, he loves us enough that he doesn't just leave us where he found us when we were saved. That he doesn't leave us um, broken and, and uh, alone and feeling like there is nobody else there with us. That he comes in, he rescues us, and he saves us. But he also wants to partner with you so that someone else gets to experience that. And regardless of anything else that you do, I can't think of a greater calling and a greater life than to help somebody else see that there is a God that knows them and that has something greater for them. And so you are greater than what you do because God has a greater purpose for your life. Your identity isn't in something that you do. Your identity is in the fact that you are a son or daughter of God and that Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. And so for all of us in here this morning, we can know that, that if we're not currently serving, that if that's something that's a, a new idea for us of serving within the church or, or like what Jesus says of giving our lives up for others, that, that there's a place for you to serve at ACF. That there is a place for you to step in wherever you're at in your relationship with Jesus. That you can step in and see what that really means and what that looks like for us to, to be that for somebody else. 
And if you're currently serving, this isn't a call for you to sign up for three more serve areas or, or overextend yourself. But if we are currently serving, this is also a time for us to, to think, man, what, how intention, intentional am I being with how I'm serving the people around me? Like, if we, have we started thinking of ourselves just as an arm or just as a leg that, that's just, just doing something? Or do we remember that we are part of a body, that we are part of a much greater purpose that God has to move the body forward, not so that we can say we've accomplished something, not so that we can, can brag about ourselves or what we've done, but we can move the body forward so we get to see more people be baptized, so we see more people start to follow Jesus, so that we see more people come to know that there is a God that sees them and has something for them. And I think when we get that and when we see what our purpose actually is, that that's where our, our identity starts to fall into place because of what God has called us to be and who God has called us to be. And so this morning, we've got some action steps um, on the, the card that was in your seats. And uh, we, we do this so that, that we, can, we can together uh, make a decision to, to do something this week um, with what God is telling us right now. That if you feel like God has said something uh, to you during, during your time this morning, that we want to uh, help you take that step. And so if you check off one of these boxes and put the card uh, in one of the boxes as you leave, uh, someone will follow up and, and text you uh, to, to remind you that, man, God wants to do something through you this week. And so if you, uh, maybe, maybe for you, our first action step is that you want to begin a relationship with Jesus. That maybe you've been on the fence and you're like, man, I don't, I don't know what this looks like or what this really means, but you feel like there is something greater for your life and that you are feeling like there is a God that sees you and that knows you. Um, that maybe this is the time for you to begin a relationship with Jesus. You can check that box off. Uh, maybe you, you want to join a group and you want to be in community with people who are, are like you trying to just take these steps. That you're, you're trying to just be obedient and trying to take another step uh, in community and, and having people around you. And you can check that box off. And we've also got group launch happening today that you'll hear more about um, here in a little bit. So this is a great Sunday to check off that box. Uh, maybe you want to join a serve team. That you're like, man, I've, I've been attending. I've been a, a part of things that are going on. But, but I want to I give up something for this. That I want to I serve people well. I want to step into this. And maybe you want to join um, a serve team. And we would love to find a place for you to serve that uses your gifts well. Where you're not feeling like you're just plugged in somewhere, but you are actually thriving and using the gifts that God has given to you. And then last, maybe you want to use your gifts to serve somebody this week. Maybe there's someone um, at home in your own family that you feel like you haven't served very well. Or someone at work that God is giving you an opportunity uh, to be able to serve so that they can see the love of Jesus through the way that you serve and love them. And whatever that is, maybe there's somebody that you want to serve this week and you want to check that off. But man, church, I, I think that God wants to do something incredible through ACF this year. Uh, that I, I think that there is something that God has been stirring up and doing in us, that if we only think of ourselves as one part of the body, that we're going to miss out on what God is doing. But if we think about ourselves and see ourselves and find our identity and who God is, and we allow that to just inform the fact that we are part of a body that's moving forward together, then I think we're going to get to see God do something incredible this year. There's something that we didn't think that we could just do on our own because we can't. But because of, of Jesus and because of the role that he's given you in the body, we will get to see God move in powerful ways. And so let's pray together uh, that that would happen this year, that that would be true of us um, as a church and as a group of people. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that um, above everything, Jesus, that you want to call us yours. God, that, that if we haven't started that relationship with you, it's as simple as just saying, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. 
God, it's as simple as giving all of ourselves to you. Um, God, that, that that's all that we need to find our true identity and rest in who you are. And God, we thank you that, that as we follow you, God, that you don't just leave us on the sidelines. God, you actually put us in the game. You put us in with you, serving and partnering with you. And God, we, we don't deserve that. And God, you could do this any way that you want to. But God, thank you that you allow us to be a part of what you're doing. God, that we get to experience more of you as we serve because it's not up to us. God, because we don't have to find our identity in the things that we do. God, that we find our identity in who you are. And so, Jesus, we thank you that you want to partner with us. God, we thank you that you have something for us. God, we thank you that we can't do this on our own and that we have to trust you with these things. And so, God, we just pray over this week, God, as we, as we look to you, as we follow you, God, that we wouldn't find our identity in the things that we do. God, that we would find our identity in you alone. God, that you are the one that has rescued us and saved us, and that's all that we need. God, everything else is just a bonus. And so, God, we just pray to experience more of you this week, more opportunities to serve the people around us, and, God, ultimately more opportunities to see you work in our lives and help us to look more like your son. So, God, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for the things that you have done for us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.